Our scripture reading for this evening comes to us from the Gospel of Luke again, and this time chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, and we'll begin reading at verse 22. Luke chapter 8, beginning at verse 22, and we'll read through verse 39. And now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. And as they, fell, as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. But he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one to another, Who can this be? For he commands even the winds and the waters, and they obey him. Then they sailed to the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when he stepped out on the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. And he wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house, but in the tombs. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, what have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For it had often seized him, and he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles. And he broke the bonds and was driven by the demon into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him, saying, What is your name? And he said, Legion because many devil, demons had entered him. And they begged him that he would not command them to go out into the abyss. Now a herd of many swine was feeding there on the mountain. So they begged him that he would permit them to enter them, and he permitted them. Then the demons went out of the man and entered the swine. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the lake and drowned. And when those who fed them, saw what had happened, they fled and told it to the city and in the country. Then they went out to see what had happened and, and came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. They also who had seen it told them by what means he who had been demon-possessed demon was healed. Then the whole multitude of the surrounding region of the Gadarenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. And he got into the boat and returned. Now the man from whom the demons had departed begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent, sent him away, saying, Return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city, what great things Jesus had done for him. This far, our scripture reading for this evening, and in connection with this passage, we will also read from the Lord's Day 11. Lord's Day 11, dealing with God the Son. 
on page 39 in the back of your Psalter. And question 29 asks, why is the Son of God called Jesus, that is, Savior? The answer is because He saves us and delivers us from our sins. And likewise, because we ought not to seek, neither can find salvation in any other. And question 30 asks, Do such then believe in Jesus, the only Savior, who seek their salvation and welfare from the saints of themselves or anywhere else? And the answer is, they do not. For though they boast of Him in words, yet in deeds they deny Jesus the only Deliverer and Savior. For one of these two things must be true, that either Jesus is not a complete Savior, or that they who by a true faith received this Savior must find all things in Him necessary to their salvation. Dear congregation, in Luke chapter 9, verse 20, Jesus asked Peter specifically, Who do you say that I am? And that's a question we all need to answer. Who do you say that Jesus is? Who is Jesus for you, for me? But before Jesus asked Peter this question, he had been teaching them, including the Sermon on the Mount. He had been showing them uh, who he was. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. And he showed us power over all these things. And here in chapter 8, he, he showed us power over creation, over the wind and over the waves. And as we read, he also shows us power over demons. But when he calmed the storm in in verse 25, when the disciples were afraid, Jesus asked them, where is your faith? In other words, what is your faith resting in? What are you trusting in in these times? And then they were astonished. In the end of verse 25, it says, who can this be? Who is this Jesus? And that's what the Lord Jesus is showing us through the Scriptures. It's showing us who the Lord Jesus is. And we need to know and see this, who the Lord Jesus is for us. And this evening, as we follow the flow of the catechism, we are looking at faith. What is faith? What is, what is included in faith? What must we be, uh, believe to be saved? And that's summarized in the 12 articles of faith that we confessed earlier this evening. And we see in, in there, we see the, first the Trinity, one God and three persons, and in the last few weeks we've been looking at God the Father, who is the, the Father in, in creation and in providence. But now, as we come to Lord's Day 11, 12, and 13, we begin to look at faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it breaks it up between these three Lord's Days with the names, the names of Jesus, the names of Christ, and the name of Lord. And so this evening we'll consider just the name Jesus. And the question again asks, why is the Son of God called Jesus, that is, Savior? And the answer was because He saves us and delivers us from our sins, and likewise because we ought not to seek, neither can find salvation in any other. 
So in the scriptures, Jesus is demonstrating to us that there is no other Savior. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved, the apostle says. No one who can deliver us from the power of our sin, from the power of our enemies, from the power of Satan or this world, except Jesus, the Son of the Most High. And so either we are delivered by Him, or we are still under the power of sin and Satan. So that's why the question is important. Who is Jesus for us today? And so our theme this evening is the question, is your faith in Jesus, the Son of God? And we'll consider this under three headings or three thoughts. And the first thing that we want to consider from our passage is that the devils believe Jesus is God. The devils are no atheists. They believe, and yet they are not saved. They're not able to be saved. But it's important for us to realize that these demons know that Jesus is God. In verse 26, we see how they sailed across the sea to the country of the Gadarenes, and as soon as they stepped out on land, in verse 27, it says, There met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. This violent man comes running down the hills as he's done other time when he sees people approaching, ready to attack, you might say. No one dared come to the area because they were there. Matthew says there was more than one. But Jesus came to save and deliver. But the, the demons soon recognized who this is. And in verse 28, they cried out and said, What? have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? And you you see here that the demons are the ones who are answering the disciples' questions. Who is this man? Well, here the demons say, this is Jesus, the Son of the Most High God. They are more aware of the power of God in this world than we are. James 2 verse 19 says, you believe that there is one God, you do well. But the demon, even the demons believe and tremble. But we know from Scripture, such as John 8, that the demons are liars and murderers from the beginning. And they hide the fact that they are real and that God is real. They want to keep you, they want to hide that spiritual reality from us. But in many countries, that violent reality of demons and witchcraft is evident. It's very prominent in some countries. But in our country, demons are often portrayed as harmless creatures. And people mock and make light of them often, especially at times such as Halloween or in movies or, or music. And lately there is a public performances of a, of a graphic show. We need to stay away from all this and realize the reality of the spirits of, of the demons. And the citizens of this country were afraid of this wild man. But behind it all were the power of the demons. But when the demons here confronted the the Lord Jesus himself, they could no longer hide. They knew who he was and he knew who they were. But also, they know that the Lord Jesus is more powerful than them. Even though... The demons are very powerful. Jesus is the stronger one than them. He explained that in Luke 11 where 
He, he explained how the stronger man comes and disarms the man who's guarding the house. The Lord Jesus has robbed Satan of all his power. So demons are not all-powerful. They're not all-knowing. They're not everywhere present. They can't read our minds, but they can tempt us to sin. That is what they do. But when these disciples were afraid of the storm, the Lord Jesus asked them and said, Where is your faith? And this is the same question that applies here when they're confronted with this wild man and they say, Where is, we need to say, Where is our faith? Demons are real and have a great power in this world, greater than the storm and what we cannot fight against. But is our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the greater and the stronger one? Because here we see how they cry out to, to the Lord Jesus. In the end of verse 28, they say, do not, I beg you, do not torment me. Because they know that Christ is more powerful. They know that their time is limited on this earth. They know that they can do nothing without His permission on this earth. Not even to enter the swine, as we will see. And so James, in chapter 4, verse 7, he tells us, he says, Therefore submit to God and resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And he counsels us to draw near to God and to fight against all sin. And it's God alone who can keep us. But then also we see that these demons, they know that Jesus is their judge. Because in Philippians 2, verse 9, it says, God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven, of those on earth, and of those under the earth. And here in verse 31, they begged him that he would not command them to go down into the abyss. That means into the bottomless pit. Because if you read Matthew, or Matthew 8, verse 29, it's a parallel passage to this section, and it says, they, it records them saying, have you come to torment us before our time? So they know that Jesus has, that they have to bow to Jesus' authority. And they know that they'll be judged and, and condemned to everlasting torment, torment. They know their destination. Matthew 25, in one of the parables there, Jesus says, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And so they'll be cast into that bottomless pit forever with all those who refuse to bow to the Lord Jesus Christ in this life. And so we see here first that the demons even believe that Jesus is God. And now they're still permitted to go out into this world. But how much more do we have reason to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ who came to save sinners? And we see secondly we learn our need for Jesus as Savior. We learn our need for Jesus as Savior. Because sinners come to discover the power and the influence of sin and of the devil. The devils know who God is, and they know that they're lost forever. But we are not born knowing God. We are born alienated from God. And we don't know Jesus as a Savior as we're born into this world. 2 Corinthians 4 says the people are blinded by the God of this world, blinded by Satan from seeing, from believing, from knowing the gospel of the Lord Jesus. 
But if we see this man here, there's many things that he learned in an exceptional way. He learned his identity. It says this man had demons for a long time. And after Jesus commanded the unclean spirit to come out of him, he asked him in verse 30 an interesting question, and he says, what is your name? What is your name? And he answered and said, legion, because many demons had entered him. Now, you shouldn't take that literally, to, because a legion, is, a Roman legion was 6,000 soldiers. So you must not literally think there's 6,000 demons, but it says he had many. But Jesus asked him his name to show the serious reality of his condition. His name was Legion. In other words, his identity was bound up with what controlled him in his life. He was under the power of sin and of Satan. He learned to know that his name was Sinner. Some people identify themselves by their sins. Either they're labeled or they take a label on themselves. You might think some are called an alcoholic. Others is a drug addict, drug addict. Some might say they're homosexuals or, or LGBT. And yet they continue on in these sins. Or they're even enabled or encouraged to continue on in it. And yet they carry a, a sort of a label. But here Jesus comes to ask them His name. To make Him see the evil of his condition so that he can pull him out of it. And so we also need to ask ourselves, what is our name? Is there something that is controlling us that we, in a sense, are identifying ourselves with, that we have become identified with? See, Legion already knew Jesus' name when he came, but did he know what it means? Because the angel said in Matthew 1, His name shall be called Jesus, for He shall save His people from their sins. The significance of Jesus' name for us is really comes to light when we realize who we are, what we are called. Jesus is the Savior. He is the Deliverer for those who are bound. He is the, the Savior for those who are bound by sin but this man also learned to know his isolation. He had no house. He lived in the grave tombs in the mountains, surrounded by the stench of death and decay. And he was separated from people because he was insane. They were afraid of him. They said no one can pass by that way because he would attack them. He was exceedingly fierce. But that's what sin does. Sin separates us from God. Sin isolates us from other people, from community, from relationships. It brings guilt. It brings shame. You hear that word? You're stigmatized because of your sin. So we, we are afraid now to walk downtown in certain places because of the, the violence and, and the, the wickedness that there is. And often sin and Satan torment to us the most when we are alone or when we're isolated from others. That's when we're most vulnerable. But most importantly, sin has separated us from God. That is the true isolation. 
But here again we see that the Lord Jesus Christ has come to bring sinners back into union with God. But we also learn that we were born in rebellion to God. You can see what this man did in verse 28. When, when he saw Jesus, he came running to him and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, the Son of the Most High God? And that's what we hear when you go around and share the gospel with people. And they say, I don't want to hear about God. I, I don't want Him. I don't care about Him. But isn't that what we hear in our own hearts as well? Before we are saved, we, there, there is no desire in our hearts. It says, what, do I, what have I to do with you, Jesus? What do I have to do with going to church, with reading the Bible, with praying? That's, that's a sense of the natural heart, that enmity with God. It doesn't want to listen to God or His law. We learn that we're under the influence and the power of darkness. Mark said that this man had an unclean spirit living in the tombs. Sin defiles a man inside and out. He was immoral. For a long time he lived naked and wore no clothes. It's immoral to walk around without clothes. Adam and Eve hid behind a bush because they knew they were naked. They were ashamed. But it shows us how far our society has come under the influence of Satan. Where the immoral drag shows even in front of children in our own communities. Where public swimming pools are beginning to allow topless women. Where there's immorality everywhere, especially in, in the movies and, and music and internet. It says this man was insane in Mark 5. He was, he was always in the mountain, day and night, crying. He was screaming, raving mad. He's like a fierce and wild animal. And people, instead of reflecting the image of God that we are created with, there's no self-control, acting like animals if we slip away into those sins. But this man also had that supernatural strength and said no one could bind him, not even with chains. He'd been shackled and chained a few times, it says, but he, he broke the shackles and pulled them apart. See, our fingers would break before the chains would, but he had some sort of supernatural strength to pull these apart. And you can still read, I've read a book recently about in, in Tibet of, of how people influenced by demons there had such supernatural strength that no knife or, or needle could pierce their skin. And this man was self-destructive. He was cutting himself with stones, doing self-harm. Your body is to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. But people in despair or in anger or confusion begin to harm themselves. They cut themselves or, be, or try to end their lives. And various forms of self-harm are increasing as sin and immorality in our lives, in our world, increases. 1 Peter 5 says, Your adversary, the devil, walks around as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, seeking whom he may destroy, causing people to, and tempting people to do self-harm. This man was tormented by these demons. It says, verse 29 said, Often it seized him, 
when they bound him, he, he broke these pieces and he was driven into the wilderness. We think being bound with chains is awful, but he was bound by Satan and, and the forces of sin as it drove him into the wilderness. Like unending nightmares and being tormented to the point of going insane. Why do we look at this in such detail? Because we need to realize that sin and Satan are more powerful than we are. That if we begin to give in to sin and into the temptations, we'll be driven further and further into places in darkness where you thought you would never be capable of going. Sin always looks so soft at the beginning, so harmless, so attractive, and yet step by step, you get pulled further into that darkness. This man would not have been seized without having walked into sin. Ephesians 4 verse 7 says, Do not give place to the devil. Do not give opportunity to the devil, but resist the devil at every place. Resist all sin. Resist all temptation. And seek help from God. But the reason that the Lord is, is showing this all and writing this here is its question that he asked. And he says, what is your name? He makes this man think of who he is and he makes us think of who we are. Is it our sins that control us still? Or is it the Lord? So why does he ask you for your name? What do you do when someone asks your name? You ask their name. And His name is Jesus. It is to learn to know more about the name of the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has come to save sinners. And Luther wrote in the hymn, The Mighty Fortress, Did we in our own strength confide, our striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. And that's what we need to realize. We need the right man on our side, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Most High. And let's see, thirdly, we learn to believe in Jesus as our God and Savior. Because sinners discover the power of Jesus to deliver them. You learn to know the saving power of Jesus Christ. Lord's Day 1 puts it so in such a terse way. And the comfort of faith is knowing that Jesus has satisfied for all my sins and delivered me from all the power of the devil. See, 1 John 3, it says, He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. And for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested or revealed in this world that He might destroy the works of the devil. And when you see the evil tide or the tide of evil in our land flooding in, or when we see it in our own hearts, in our own lives, there's only one place to go. It is to the Lord Jesus alone, the Son of the Most High God. And that's why the Lord's Day here asked, why is he called Jesus that is Savior? Because he saves, he delivers you from your sins. And so again, that question is, where is your faith? That's what the Lord asked the disciples. 
Well, it must be in the Lord Jesus Christ who delivers you from the power of the devil. And so the question to us tonight is, have you already learned to know the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior, compared to our own name of sinner, compared to our own bondage of sin, whatever sins they are, whatever sins that you struggle in your life. Maybe some of you have even known the controlling power of sin, of specific sins, driving you to despair. But if it's a little or a lot, by the grace of God, you come to acknowledge yourselves as sinners in the sight of a living God. Paul learned to know himself as the chief of sinners. The tax collector in the temple, he, all he could pray was, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And if we know a little of the power of our own sins and of the temptations of Satan behind it, we know that there is no one able to deliver us except Jesus Christ, the Savior. Here this man came running down and fell down before him. Mark 5 says that when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. If that, was because of, if that was because of the demons when they knew that they had to submit to Christ or if it was this man able to run to Jesus, we don't know. But he, he likely never seen Jesus before. But somehow, maybe even because of the demons in him who recognized him, he knew that this was the Lord Jesus. And he ran to him. And that's where we need to go. And if you've never been there before, this is where you need to run and this is where you need to fall. Because when we realize that we have no power against our sin, then we must come here. What sins is it that you're struggling with? Those sins that can seem to pull you around on a leash. Where at times it can even be that your conscience says no and yet you see yourself going. You seem to not be able to stop yourself. Because you have no more power to stop your sin than you do to stop a storm. But here is Jesus, the Son of the Most High God. And Jesus who commanded the storms to be stilled, commanded and said, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. And they must obey the King of Kings. And there is no sin And there is no temptation, and there's no devil strong enough to hold you back when Christ comes to deliver. He breaks those bonds of sin. And when Jesus came, instead of driving this man into the wilderness again like they did before, he came to the Lord Jesus. They could not stop him. And these demons began to plead with Jesus not to torment them before their time. They tremble before the Almighty God, and we must as well. They know they do not have a Savior, but we know that He is a Savior for sinners like us. They have no way of being reconciled to God, but Jesus Christ came to reconcile sinners with God, to reconcile the world to God. They await that last time when they'll be cast forever into the torments of hell, but here is an escape for every sinner who turns to the living God, who believes on the Lord Jesus Christ to be delivered from that condemnation and to turn them from darkness to light and to set before them the joy of eternal glory. We have a Savior, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. 
He was born of a woman to take upon Himself our human flesh, and He came to deliver from the power of Satan's grasp. Hebrews 2 says that through death He might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and to release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Christ came into this world to seek and to save sinners. He came into this sin-cursed world, into this demon-infested wilderness to save. He faced Satan there in the wilderness and was tempted in all points like we are and yet without sin so that he could obey his Father perfectly. He faced that storm on the sea, and instead of walking around those mountains, he faced that man as he came towards him under the power of sin. And Jesus was born so that he could die on the cross. And there he faced that full assault of Satan and all his forces, but through his own death, he destroyed the devil and the power that he had. He robbed him of his power. And no weapon now can prevail against Christ. And no weapon can avail against his people. And the demons could do nothing without his power, without his permission. And they had to request to be able to go even into the swine, which the Lord gave them permission. And a herd of 2,000 swine ran violently down and drowned in the sea. Jesus comes to restore. And you learn then also last the saving fruits of Jesus as your Savior. He comes to restore us to His own image, to restore sinners to Himself. God produces that new life in you. In verse 35, we see that this man was then sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in His right mind. A right view of God and a right view of sin. No longer defined by what tormented and controlled him. No longer defined by your sin, but be defined by God's saving work. Jesus said, now go and tell. Go and tell the great things God has done for you. No longer legion, but now a child of the living God. No longer driven away by sin, but now a desire to be near Jesus. He wanted to go along with Jesus. He wanted to follow Him. But Jesus says, no, go tell the city. The fruit of Christ's work brings us to sit at the feet of Jesus to learn from Him, to be with Him, to be near to Him, and to walk in obedience to His laws. See, the Lord Jesus always brings change into our lives. And if there's no change, if there's no conforming to His image and to His laws, then there's no deliverance from sin and lawlessness. 1 Thessalonians 1 says, When God delivers, He turns you from idols to serve the true and living God. But then we also learn the importance of knowing the Lord Jesus as your Savior. We must learn to know the Lord Jesus as our own Savior because there are others who learned about Jesus' power, who saw it but never knew it in their own lives. The residents here feared Jesus' power but wanted nothing to do with it. 
the herdsmen saw what happened. And you wondered a shock what was on there in, in their hearts and minds when they saw that demon-possessed man charging down the hill and screaming and then suddenly quiet. And then a moment later, the, that screaming was probably heard from those pigs as they charged down the hill with that same violent force and into the sea. They saw what happened. But they ran away. They went home and told the whole story. They didn't want to be responsible for this loss. The citizens came and marveled. And they were overcome with fear, it said. They saw the power of God. But they did not know what to do with it. They didn't know themselves as needing this power and this Savior. They would not been able to bind this man with chains. But here he is freed and sitting at the feet of Jesus. But they do not ask what his name is. They do not ask who Jesus is. They do not want to bow to the power and submit to the authority of Christ. Their hearts are still focused on their money, on their investment that they just lost. And so we see again, we cannot serve God and mammon. We cannot serve God and the riches of this world. They're more concerned about their investments than about the souls of these men. In verse 37, they even begged the Lord Jesus to depart out of their country. They did not want to suffer any more financial losses because of him. The demons begged the Lord Jesus not to send them out of the country. They wanted to wreak more havoc and destruction in the country. But these people wanted Jesus out of the country. They did not want a saving influence. See, unless we learn to know ourselves as sinners, we don't need the Lord Jesus as our Savior. And so the question is, who is Jesus for you? And where is your faith? Is it in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God? Often it can be seen how you respond to Him. Do we come to sit at His feet? Or do we ask Him to leave? Do we want Him to rule over us? Or do we want to continue in the power of our sins? But what a Savior we have. To know that the Lord Jesus Christ is stronger than every sin and every demon in this world. That those who have been delivered by Him are delivered forever. That no one can snatch Him out of their Father's hand. That he delivers from all the power of the devil, from all the power of sin, because he is the almighty God, the Son of the Most High God. Is he your Savior today? Is he the one who you need and flee to? Because then there is joy forevermore. Then there is reason for rejoicing and thankfulness. Amen.